Hello, and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe you have ancestry that ties you to the Scottish Clans. Maybe you've watched Braveheart, Outlaw King, or Outlander, and it piqued your interest. If you want to learn more about the leading kindreds of Scotland and answer such questions as, what was a clan? How did clans function? Who was a member of a clan? How did clans begin? Do my ancestors connect to a clan? What are some cool stories from the history of the clans? Then this is the podcast for you. Today, I'm going to share with you something that dips into the scholarly side of things, but I also think it'll be enjoyable for those of you who are operating at a very beginner level with the subject of Scottish clans. So thank you for joining me. Now, before I get into sharing something that I'm very excited about, I thought was very interested when I found it, I'm actually just going to be relaying information to you all. Before we do that, though, I want to make just a couple of quick announcements. One is that for my online course, which can be found at www.scottish-clans.com forward slash origins. The course is all about the origins of the Scottish clans. It's called Origins of the Scottish Clans 101. It's built to be a mini online college course kind of. Uh, It's made so you can take it at your own pace. You can take it at your own level. If you want to just watch the video presentations and the visual aids, cool. But I've presented a lot of or provided a lot of opportunity to go way deeper than that and to dig farther. I've connected you with scholarly sources and even given you some ideas to write upon if you really want to dig into it. So the problem is that I, and I would have never known this had I just thought, well, maybe I'll go look at this from the angle that my audience is coming at. And I try to log into it and it said something along the lines of the enrollment is full or something like that so that people can't get into it. And I checked into that and I found something that wasn't clicked and the setting wasn't right on it. It wasn't that, you know, if you, if that describes any of you, you try to get into there and it says, Hey, this isn't open for enrollment right now. It's not because the class, uh, the course was full. There's, I don't have a cap on how many people can do it at a time. It was because there was a setting that was off. So if that is true for anybody listening to this, it should be good now. Um, But if that's not good, or if there's anything else that you want to reach out to me about, either something I missed in a previous uh, episode, something that you want to hear more about, um, I have done some digging in and done some other episodes purely off of listener requests. Um, I'm working on one right now with somebody who submitted some information that I could look up. So I'm still working through that. But um, like, and just to let you guys know, in case you've made a suggestion in the times past, one, if I haven't done it and I haven't responded to you, there's a lot going on in my life. And just, it's not a bother to me if you reach out and say, hey, remember a while ago I asked you about this? Do you think you could do that? It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. So please reach out to me, or if there's a further question you want to ask, you can do all of this at my email, which is thescottishclans at gmail.com. Super simple. And I check it fairly regularly. So feel free to reach out to me if there's something that you want to hear or something that you, I, I touched on it for a second and didn't dive into it. Uh, I think that's definitely going to be true of our, of our episode today. There's some things that I, they're just... You'll see how it plays out, but it does apply to us later. 
Um, another thing that I wanted to let you know is if there's if if you if this is not your first time listening to this podcast, you're a, a return listener, and this has been valuable to you, and you've got it's been productive. It's it's helped you understand better. If there's if you've got any value out of this and you want to give back, you can go to the Scottish Clans. Sorry, the Scottish. Sorry, <laughs> let's try that again. www.scottish-clans.com forward slash team. It can be as simple as just scanning the QR code on there and dropping some. Buy me the the price of a drink in the to the Venmo QR code that I've got there. If you want to be a subscriber, then go. Then you can. I've got a link there that you, it can take you over to my Patreon account. It just makes it super easy. But that's scottish-clans.com forward slash team. So a couple really easy ways to contribute. But hey, look, if you're just like Clint, the reason I listen to podcasts is because it's free. Well, I totally understand. I'm on a budget too. So if you're not in that position that you want to contribute financially, please feel free to uh, what you can do, and it doesn't cost you a dime, is you can subscribe or follow whatever your platform that you're listening to this does. And um, and if you can leave me a review, that would be great as well. All right, that's all the business I want to take care of. Now, what am I so excited to share with you about? I was listening to a podcast. Now, there are podcasts about the Scottish clans, but they're, they're individual episodes. They're not whole podcasts. And I revisited this. Now, just to remind you that one of the reasons I created this podcast was because I was looking for a podcast about the Scottish clans, couldn't find it, and decided to create it. I wanted to make what I couldn't find. However, there are some history podcasts that do touch on the Scottish clans in an episode. Okay, so I was on, I found one an, an episode from the History Extra podcast, and I will include a link to it in the show notes. And you can go listen to it for yourself. But in this one, the host of the podcast was interviewing, I believe there are two, maybe it was, I, I didn't li- go back when I went back to listen to it, I just listened to the specific part of it, but it's with Murray Piddock, who is a, um, a Scottish scholar, and he shares some really cool information. And what we're going to do today is Murray, Murray's going to do the talking He's not actually going to be talking on the podcast, but I'm going to be using his content. And that's why I've gave you the link. So if you're like, ah, did, did you get that accurately? You can go back and check it for yourself. But I was taking these notes and writing things down and pausing the podcast, writing, play. Okay, that, that was interesting. Pause, write down more things. So I, was, I think I'm pretty faithful to the information he was giving on this podcast. And it's going to bust a few of the myths that are out there about the Scottish clans. And I would I thought, man, my audience, is, they would really like this because I think it's addressing some things that are very common that are out there. And it even fixed some misconceptions I have this late of the game. I've been running this podcast for five years now and I've learned a lot of stuff, but I don't know everything. And one thing that brings it home to me, how much I still have to learn is all the questions I still have bumping around in my head. So I thought, let's just relay some of this information from Professor Piddock to my audience, and, and then I'll provide you the sources. If you want to dive in further from there, you can. All right, what's the first thing I want to relay to you from this interview on History Extra? The first one is t- talking about clan tartans, and this is the part of it that I really 
thought was interesting and that he dove into more detail on this and I want to share it with you. So sometimes like at a very, very, very basic level, people are thinking, oh, in ancient times, the Scots wore kilts and they could be identified by the different tartans that they were wearing on those kilts. And yeah, that's it. Now, some of you who have a little bit more information than that, we're still not at a super deep level, but a lot of people know that the concept of clan tartans, meaning these specific colors organized in these specific ways, that's a fairly modern concept. And it really grabbed traction during the Victorian era in the 19th century, the weavers were making a ton of money. That The whole Scottish part of the heritage of the royal family became cool. The Jacobite rebellions were far enough in the rearview mirror that it wasn't this huge threat anymore. You see the royal family making trips up to Scotland, and with the royal family coming up to Scotland, they make a big to-do. Sir Walter Scott had a lot to do with this. There's others. Uh, my sponsor, USA Kilts, they've done some material on this if you want to go check them out on YouTube. But so so we're thinking, okay, so this whole concept of clan tartans is wound up in 19th century marketing to try to find out a way that everybody ties into a clan and this is what your tartan was. Now, the interesting thing that Professor Pittock shares with us here is that, no, they weren't ancient, but the concept of a clan tartan didn't—these people in the 19th century weren't making this up out of thin air. So let me share with you some of the details that Professor Piddock shared about the concept of clan tartans. One is that clear back as as far back as the reign of James IV— the King of Scotland. So late 14, early 1500s, tartan had become fashionable at the court. So that's really interesting. And, and it, be, it develops into a national expression of Scottishness in the 17th and 18th centuries. In fact, uh, here's another thing that's been, I think, blown out of proportion. Were there some legal things going on with wearing tartan after the failed Jacobite rebellions, the last one being put down in 1746? Yes, but some people have painted it as though after the Battle of Culloden, nobody's allowed to wear anything that was tartanish at all, and that's just simply not true. Professor Piddock shared that 90% of the women in Edinburgh were wearing plaid in 1747, the year after this happened. And, and, and by the way, I know that some of the information I'm going to share with you will leave you wanting more information. So A, I'm pulling this from a scholar, so that should carry a little weight. B, that still might not answer all your questions. I acknowledge that. And I would love to open up a correspondence with Professor Piddock and do maybe something similar with him that we did with Professor Cathcart and have him on the show and, and, and maybe ask some of these follow-on questions that you're going to want to ask the farther I get into this. So let's keep going. The clan slash family tartans date back to the 16th century to some extent. And he said to some extent, and then he didn't go into further detail. 
Now, the specific colors we have today are modern, like the, the exact tartans are fairly modern. But they there were tartans around clear back. Now, tartan, the concept of tartan goes back ancient, ancient, ancient. But the way the Scots were doing it, and something that might look familiar to what we see today, and the fact that you can attach some of those tartans to certain families or clans can go back to the 16th century. Uh, how my question, one of my question, questions was, and I don't have an answer for it, sorry to disappoint you, but how were the old ones different? Like, can you, I know we have the ancient version of a lot of the tartans today, but is that the same thing as like tartans looked a little bit different in the old days? One thing specifically that he said was that, now I looked in doing this, this is interesting, I went on a website. Uh, if you type in list of clan tartans on a Google search, you'll find lochcaron.co.uk tartan finder. It's the first thing that comes up. And under this, on this website, alphabetically arranged, you can just scroll down and see, I don't know, maybe hundreds, would that be fair to say, of tartan? I mean, there's a lot of tartans on here. And you can look at the different ways. Now, one thing you'll notice is a lot of the tartans are are dark colored like greens and blues. And a lot of those actually you can trace back to Highland regiments. Like the Black Watch would be an example of that. And out of the Highland regiments, well, which clans were producing Highland regiments? And there's a, a connection there with Highland regiments and the concept of clan tartans. But go to Loch Karen. L, you know, Loch, L-O-C-H, Karen is C-A-R-R-O-N dot C-O dot U-K. I could get all nerdy and fly into the phonetic alphabet there, but hopefully that was good enough. And you can go in Tartan Finder and you can look all through here. You'll notice that a lot of the tartans are the darker hues. But what Professor Piddock said was these loud colors. It, so for me, I would think of anything that's generally a red based tartan, um, but maybe some others. Maybe I'm thinking of McLeod of Lewis or Buchanan that use the yellow. These loud colors, the dyes for these were harder to get a hold of and took a little bit more wealth to procure these dyes than to hand it over to your... So if you're somebody who has the money to get something like this, you're a clan chief or of that upper class, and you can get a hold of this and you can turn it over your weaver and say, hey, make, make me something out of this... And that shows your your um, economic status. It shows that you're a, a person of means and substance, and that you can get a hold of some of these harder to find dyes. And so the loud these loud colors in the tartans were something that were more popular amongst the upper class. Um, especially he the term that Professor Pittock uses is among the officer class. There were notions of clan tartans. All right, so this upper level of clan society, there were such things and were certain tartans that were favored among certain groups. My question, my follow-on question, that would be, do we know specifically which clans were had some kind of a notion of, well, we kind of favor this arrangement right here. I, he said that the thing that's modern about the whole thing is the, how exclusive 
we can get. And, and, and this can go back to this 19th century, like this is this group and this is this group. And if you're not that group, then you don't wear it. And if you are, you wear this and this is how it goes. And it becomes rigid. That's a fairly modern concept. Um, in the 1750s, and he's just kind of tying this in with Highland regiments, the Frasers of Lovett and McDonald's of Glengarry were among the early clans to raise regiments. Uh, also, he mentioned Gordon Highlanders in there, which is interesting because in the conversation with Ali Cathcart, we're talking about the Gordons and they were a lowland family slash clan, and you can branch off into a completely different topic there. However, she didn't she she didn't think it was inconceivable that some of the earls of Huntley would have been Gallic speaking because of so the amount of business and interest that they had in the Highlands, very involved there. And a lot of the people that they would have provided lordship for, if not actually being clan chiefs for, but a lot of people at the very least they were provided lordship for these people were Gales. Um anyway, so that's just a little kind of a side note there, but um, we have these, the concept, and, and I, I want to dive a lot farther into this subject, this connection. Well, A, a I just want to learn about the independent Highland companies and the whole concept of these regiments that were formed basically by looking at the clan chief or one of his very close people, his close circle and saying, okay, you're the commanding officer of this unit, and they go raise a regiment or a, or a company, and it's mostly people just taken from their clan. And, well, we need some kind of uniformity. Well, just before we get into the tartan aspect of it, I just like to learn about that. And there's there's some books that I need to get a hold of for this. I found a few articles on the internet, and I've read them, but it feels like before I'm ready to produce this as a podcast episode, there's a, it's a it needs to go a lot deeper for me to be satisfied with it. But... But then to press on, aside from just the concept of these regiments or companies, different units that were produced from the clans themselves, is the concept that, okay, what's our uniform going to be? Well, we're going to um, wear this. And, well, because that unit was taken basically from that clan, then that set. And you you look at these clan tartans of clans who did provide regiments, or not, maybe even not a whole regiment. A regiment, for those of you who are not familiar with military structure and, and organizational levels, a regiment's a fairly high level. That's a fairly big unit. Uh, a company might be about 100 dudes. That's not exact, but that'll give you a ballpark. You could have a company of 60 guys or a company of 130, but 100 is a pretty medium middle number for that. And so you might have this clan, who's not a huge clan, and they they provide a company of men, and this company is taken basically from the clan, and there's there's a very strong connection between the clan and the, the government unit. And then this, so this leads into maybe strengthens the concept of clan tartans, because what was that company or regiment or whatever they're part of, what are they wearing? And if you look at some of the clans who engaged in this, a lot of them have something that looks like at its base the black watch, but then maybe they added a yellow or gold stripe or a red and gold or something, something close to that. You can see that connection there. Uh, like I said, there's, I have a lot of questions still there and a lot of reading to do on that, but that was an interesting, I think, clear up to that point. We've, I've already, I didn't know that, that actually before the 19th century and all the hype 
I, I was I was aware of the connection maybe between Highland units and Clan Tartans, but I didn't know it, it could go back in some cases to the 16th century, the 1500s. I thought that was really interesting. It seems like there's a lot more behind that that he didn't share. Um, by the way, all of this, if you're looking to look this up, all this is toward the end of the interview. So he was like, they're just kind of wrapping this up and they started just dropping all this really information, really interesting information. Um, let me just share with you, uh, we're going to break a few myths here. This is straight from Murray Piddock. The host asked him, what, what are some myths, some common misconceptions about the Scottish clans? Now, I want you to hang on to your seats here because I'm going to share with you some things that have been the subject of a lively debate on the Facebook group. If you're not a part of the Facebook group, you need to be. If you're, because we've got some sharp people on there, and I don't, not, we don't all agree with each other and we disagree, but for the most part, for the most part, it stays pretty respectful. And it's just people bouncing ideas back and forth. And if we disagree and you try to provide some, which is my counterpoint, well, this according to this professor, according to this evidence I have. And I think the conversations are very valuable. And, and if you have been on there, some of the things I'm about to mention from Professor Piddock are going to touch directly on those things. So hang on, especially if you're one of those people who are absolutely convinced that there were no Scottish clans outside of the Highlands, unless it was some group of Highlanders that moved. <laughs> Hang in there. Okay, so she asks, you know, what are some of the myths, common misconceptions about Scottish clans? Well, here's, here's what he said. He said, one myth is all belonged to a Celtic race. <laughs> Another myth is that they all spoke Gaelic. Now, this is huge in these arguments back and forth on our Facebook group, that clan is a Gaelic word, and so it was a Gaelic thing. And he says that's a myth. Not all Scottish clans spoke Gaelic. Another point he made is that they were not all backward and primitive, despite all the lowland propaganda over the, over the years. Uh, in fact, we're going to touch, go back and touch on that a little bit later. The myth that they are all naturally violent, like it's baked into their DNA that they're more violent than other people, that they're uh, that they were lazy and feckless, just sit around and then wait for a fight and then go steal somebody's cows and take the product of somebody else's hard work. And that's interesting because another that's another stereotype that some of the westward pushing white uh, European descendant p descended people in the Americas and in, in I'm speaking specifically in the history of the U.S. Uh, painted the the, the the connection and the similarities between how the Native Americans are painted and how earlier the Scottish Highlanders are painted. There's striking similarities there. Really interesting. Anyway, but that's a little bit of a tangent. To keep going, another, another stereotype or misconception was that the Scottish clans, that their way of life with the, with the Gales and the clans there were, it was completely, a completely different way of life from the English or Scots speakers. Now, isn't that interesting? That's a myth that the, the way that the Highlanders lived and the way that 
English or Scots speakers did in other parts of Scotland was just just night and day different. There were differences. Nobody's trying to make an argument that um, that, that that exactly the same except for language. Nobody's saying that, but it's not as different as it has been painted in in some from some angles. Another myth is that there's just some mystical land holding traditions that they were. You know these the mists of time and the concept of duchas. Um, you can get into this this really utopian aura around the way that the Highlanders thought about land. In fact, that leads into another the next misconception or myth that he brought up was that the Highlanders and the, and the clans that it was some sort of primitive communism. He said that's not true. And and to go back this next point. To go back to the, that they're backward and primitive, the, the clan chiefs of the Scottish Highlands were actually, they were noblemen. They were, he, and he, in, to illustrate his point, he uses Cameron of Lochiel, was a gentleman at the court of Louis XIV in France. They could go to other royal circles and other upper echelon levels of society throughout not only England but other other places in in Europe and they could handle themselves and you couldn't he's saying they, they can't integrate or or move in those circles with that much of acceptance by being a bunch of animal skin clad broadsword wielding barbarians. These are people of means and substance. Many of the clan chiefs and their circles and those upper echelons of clan society, many of them had very good educations. They spoke several different languages. I'm this is and I'm straying a little bit from Murray. I, this is just things that I've learned. A lot of them did have actually a lowland education, St. Andrews or somewhere else like that. They spoke several different languages, were engaged engaged with trade with other places in Europe, uh, very cosmopolitan. They were noblemen. And an awful lot of clan life is very difficult to distinguish from the life of just regular Scottish feudal society. So he kind of, he's not saying once again that there's no difference between highland and lowland life, but he's saying it has been overblown. And I think you could probably tie the concept of that all all clans spoke Gaelic and that their way of life was just night and day different from English and Scots speakers. I think that line is a lot more blurred and I think Ali Cathcart backed him up on that. So you have two Scottish professors who stayed the heck out of this and and that's that's their job. That's anyway, and they're teaching us something. I think that's very valuable and challenging some um, previous held misconceptions. Uh, and and once again, it's so unhelpful to draw these 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 stark lines on a map and saying on this side it was one way and on this side it was not that way. I think that line gets blurry more than we think, and I think that that underlined a lot of the misconceptions and the myths that Murray Pittock was trying to bust here. So once again, this link, if you wanted, like ah, oh, Clint, I think you've. Uh, you're just getting a little wound up about stuff and you're probably not getting enough sleep. I'll provide the link and you can go check it out for yourself. But uh, there's, there's a, there it is for you. Some, uh, And I actually want to jump into some my next episode very well may 
be another myth busting one. So I've got some I've got some content locked and loaded for the next one. But um, in the meantime, just to remind you, we've got a lot of really good discussions going on on the on the Facebook group Scottish Clans. Search it. Make sure it's the Facebook group. I think some of you get um, down a wrong trail and you end up on other stuff that's similar. But it's it's just called Scottish Clans and it's a group. It's not a page. So make sure you get into the group and you're gonna because you can't you can't do it on a Facebook page. You can't have these kind of conversations. And we have them, and they're awesome. And I actually think so. If you want to dip into a much larger knowledge pool than just listening to the to one person in this podcast, you can go there, and you've got so many sharp people on there who are passionate about this subject. If you want to reach out to me for anything, Facebook Messenger. Some people still do that, and sometimes I check it, but I'm usually not as good about that. The Scottish Clans at gmail.com is the email that you can reach out to me with if you've got a recommendation, anything that you want to ask about or would like me to go into more detail or something I missed, anything like that. Um, and if you want to, once again, contribute to the cause, go and uh, go to scottish-clans.com forward slash team, and I've made it super easy to get in there and contribute. The Once again, the the online course, which is set up to be like a, you can make this like an actual college course, and if but for like a very small fraction of the price, and the, not the same deadlines. Like you can take it at your own pace, you can go at it as fast and furious or as casual as you want, and that's at scottish-clans.com forward slash origins. Um, and if you don't want to contribute to the cause via the the other way, please just not only not only follow or subscribe or whatever and and give me a rating, but share this with somebody that you think is out there. I bump into people all the time who are very interested. I'll I'll wear one of my T-shirts. I have a couple of shirts that have Scottish Clans podcast on them, and people are like, whoa, what's this? They've never heard of it. They're super interested, and they've never heard of it. There's people all over, and maybe that's because I'm not very good at marketing, but there you have it. Share this with somebody you think would be interested, and then until next time, Marishan Leib and Dorastah.